Hi there, and welcome to the umpal.com podcast. I'm Oli, and for episode number 59, it is my pleasure to bring to you a chat with Nate King, the incredibly talented American pipe carver whose work you can find over at natekingpipes.com. From twists on traditional shapes to outlandishly unique, you will find something you love coming out of Nate's shop. I can guarantee you that. Well, Brody and I are back from the Chicago show, and it was yet again a great experience. This was the first time Brody has ever been to the Chicago show. Lots of old friends to see and new ones to meet. Brody had his very first Italian beef over at Portillo's and his first Chicago pizza at Gino's East. So uh, he was very impressed, as he should be, right? I mean, good Lord, that stuff is so good. Um, many monstrosity pipes found new homes, and many more will be soon online for your perusal. I have lots going on in the shop right now. Um, the monstrosity Mach 3 razors sold out very fast, but have no fear. I'll be making more of those very soon, and even scarier and more dangerous to use. After all, danger is the spice of life. I think I heard that somewhere. But it's true, right? Um, this podcast is made possible by PNT, yes, Pipes and Tobacco's magazine. If you are not a subscription holder, I suggest you change your ways right this moment. Support the magazine that supports our interests. Already a subscriber? Then be a philanthropist and pay for a budding collector's subscription. What an incredibly nice surprise that would be for your friend, don't you think? I think that'd be awesome. Reading articles online is nice, but there is nothing like the printed word. The following podcast was recorded on March 17th, 2014. Sit back, grab a pipe, and stay a while. I hope you enjoy. And on the line with us today, we have Nate King. Nate, thank you very much for uh, agreeing to do the podcast, and welcome to the show, buddy. Absolutely. Glad to uh, be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. So, Nate, let's start off with a, a little bit about yourself. Who is Nate King? Tell me a little bit about who you are, your age, where you're from, family, pets, your work, things like that. Sure thing. Uh, I am 34, uh, originally from uh, born in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, now reside in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, I don't have any pets at the moment. Uh, probably uh, get some at some point, but with, with the whole full-time pipe making thing i don't have a whole lot of time for much anything else so um when no did, pets there when did you move from albuquerque uh oh boy uh left albuquerque when i was two very young very young moved to colorado um and okay. spent a good portion of my childhood in in colorado uh until i was about eight and then uh my family uh my parents got into uh uh, IndyCar racing, and uh, my dad was an ex- executive director for uh, uh, racing, uh, not-for-profit organization for the me- all the mechanics uh, okay. that worked on the race teams. So I started traveling when I was eight. Yeah, that had to be pretty cool growing up in that. What, tell me what that was yeah. like. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh, got to got to see <laughs> most of the United States and Canada and some other places. Uh, by the time I was ten, I'd been to like thirty-eight states and uh, a couple of Canadian provinces. Wow! Uh, it was it was neat to see uh, growing up. You know, it was neat to see the places you see on TV, Mount Rushmore, et cetera. 
Grand Canyon and all that. So, and what was what was it like being you know right there in the in the races all the time? That had to be pretty cool too. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I was uh, I was homeschooled, and uh, so I got to the, you know while we're driving around, I'd do all my schoolwork and all that. And then I got to the racetrack. I'd there's a few teams that I would help out during the uh, during the weekend, um, you know, polishing wheels and <laughs> waxing the car and cleaning up. When I was that young, you know, I couldn't do much, but uh, got to help help out, and you know, it was like a big family. Wow, that's awesome! And then, and then later, you you actually got into it as a as a job, right? With the uh, transmissions. Yeah, yeah. I moved out uh, moved out from my parents' place. Uh, we'd moved a couple more times, but uh, moved out of my parents' place back to Indianapolis. Um, I got started uh, with a uh, transmission. Uh, an ex transmission guy for race team had started started his own business and uh, handled a few different teams, um, but that one I was only there about six months because that didn't we didn't really pan out <laughs> didn't get off the ground very well. Right. But then I had uh, gone to a company called Emco Gears, who was a main they were a main supplier. They actually made the transmissions for the IndyCar series for. Uh, a couple of years, and then uh, have com- continued support of many different racing series for a long time. Um, and I was uh, contracted by certain teams that didn't want to have want to want to have a full time gearbox guy on their team. They could contract us, and we ended up doing the same job. Plus, right. you had the the support of this manufacturing facility, so that was nice. So I'm guessing you just learned a ton of stuff as far as you know machining and and everything else from a yeah, pretty early yeah. age. Yeah, we uh, as a gearbox uh, technician, uh, most of them are very focused, a lot more focused than uh, some of the mechanics probably. Um, so we would get our job, you know, we would do the transmission work, get that done, and then you know they we get the transmission to the to the race mechanics and then they build the you know they well they've already built the front half of the car they're waiting for the gearbox to build the back half of the car so we'd get that done you know we'd clean up and then you know the it's up to the race team at that point um to do that so oftentimes we'd end up going back in the fab shop and helping uh work on lays mills whatever you know fab up pit equipment things like that we'd help the fab department um, sometimes we'd help the race team, uh, you know, the mechanics build up the, build up the cars, but more often than not, we were more useful in the fab shop. Right. At, at what point did you, uh, move away from, um, transmissions to, to something else? Was there a transition between, um, that work and pipes or, or is that where the jump comes yeah, in? Yeah, there actually was. Uh, I was. I was always. I, there was nothing else in racing. I was. I spent. Oh my goodness! About twelve years uh, as a, a transmission technician on the on various IndyCar teams, and uh, I did uh, was was the uh, lead lead tech and uh, basically the <laughs> operator of the uh, NASCAR department for this uh, for the Emco Gears team. Um. But uh, after that, I uh, just got tired of uh, being gone all the time. And, you know, when you're gone over 300 days a year, 
it, get, it wears on you a bit, you know. That, wow. Yeah. As a as a you know being on a race team it, that the car is the most important thing. Um, it always got the attention, um, no matter what, no matter what's going on, whether it just got destroyed or whatever. It's always got to be ready for the next event. So, um, yeah, you're you're f- dedicating your life to that. <laughs> so I I got to the point where I couldn't. Uh, I was a little travel weary. So I ended up having my brother, uh, who actually my entire family was involved in IndyCars for for a number of years. I was the last uh, last of the family to get out. Uh, my brother had had his he had a uh, little little Mooney uh, aircraft up at uh, up at a local airport, and he had told me they were hiring uh, uh, line service guys, and that they probably needed a mechanic up there because they were pretty understaffed at the time. So. You know, IndyCars and aircraft are fairly sim- similar, so I thought. Um, you know, one one stays up in the air, one gets pushed down to the ground. So, right, <laughs> fairly fairly similar equipment. But uh, I ended up going and uh, taking that job, and uh, I worked there for about five years. And uh, then uh, after, uh, yeah, like I said, up for about five years, uh, got laid off from that job, and I had I had at that point. Um, dabbled and started taking taking seriously pipe making, and uh, so I said, "Well, well, I might as well give this a go." And so that was your transition into full time pipe making. About about when yeah. was that? Uh, that would have been oh goodness, about three years ago. So just under three years ago. So when and how did you start getting into pipes in general? I, uh, towards the end of my racing series career, uh, in about 2005, 2006, um, a buddy of mine had moved back here from California and, uh, we had, we had palled around a lot and, you know, we, uh, cooked together and, you know, he would watch movies and kind of, you know, we were like Renaissance men, you know? (laughs) So, right. We uh, ended up going to a he he had a pipe or a couple of pipes and he, he let me try it. I thought, hey, that's kind of cool. You know, I never smoked anything in my life, cigarettes or anything like that. So, you know, but I've always been enamored with pipes. Is you know, it seems to be like the thinking man's hobby or <laughs> right, something right. very gen- gentlemanly about it. Yeah. So, uh, ended up. Uh, Going with him at some point to a and another buddy of mine, uh, we went to a local uh, tobacconist. Unfortunately, it's now out of business, uh, closed up shop. But uh, got my first pipe starter kit, like everybody else, you know, a basket briar, a pipe pa- or a tobacco pouch, a uh, ounce of you know probably Lane One Q, <laughs> right. and uh, you know got that going. So. About when was That's that? Pardon? About when was that? Uh, like I said, that would have been like the end of 2005. Okay. And then and then when did you um, start to get into actually making pipes and what got you into making them? Um, I, uh, making pipes took a little while. Um, I actually got <laughs> – I discovered eBay soon thereafter because like I said, I was I – was re- if you ask any of my friends, whenever I get into a, 
at this point a hobby. Um, I really get into it. I had done I had done research and you know I started looking up pipes and and things like that. And of course I like you know Bing Crosby and the you know is the the uh, Dublin's he's you know long thin shank Dublin's and all that. And, uh, and found other people that, you know, other famous people that smoke pipes. And, you know, I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. So, and then I'd, I'd gone locally to a few antique malls and antique shops like that. And would, you know, there's plenty of medicos and gravos and things like that. Um, nothing real high end. But, you know, at the, at that point I hadn't, I hadn't, didn't know what a clue, have a clue what high end pipes were. So, um, went through and yeah. Then, then I discovered uh, <laughs> discovered eBay, and uh, that was the beginning of the end. Um, and I've soon thereafter bought like I'd buy like a lot of pipes, um, like a grouping, and uh, for one pipe. And then I had a bunch left over, and I'm like, well, I don't really need or want these. What <laughs> what am I going to do? I'm like, well, I bought these on eBay. Maybe I can sell the rest. So that began a process of me uh, getting into restoring pipes and uh, did that for about four years. Over that four years, I restored and sold at least 1,200 pipes. Wow. And and, I really enjoyed that. And then uh, just towards the end of that process, uh, I had found through research and, you know, and learning – you know, Dunhill date codes and and CNE date codes, and you know, just all the process of uh, as I'm sure you've gone through of learning about old pipes and oh, well, this one is you know, it dates back to this date, and you know, because of the, the way they stamped them and all. Isn't that fun? Um, I mean, that's there's yeah, just it's, it's, it's endless it's, amounts of of joy there. Yeah, it floors me how how involved it is. Um, and then, you know, through the different years of production with, man, how many different, uh, factories and all this factory was bought by this factory. And, you know, so you've got a number of different years of, (laughs) of, uh, intrigue for sure. But, uh, so went through all that and then had stumbled on to some websites, uh, you know, that had some date codes and things like that, you know, pipe fill and, and a number of other sites and, uh, had come across, uh, ChristopePipeSmokers.net and had a lot of good information on there and, uh, had made, made friends with quite a number of the people on there. And, uh, one, one name that, you know, was <laughs> very crucial to my pipe making was, uh, Wayne Typen, uh, who I believe you've had on your show. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, so I met him. Uh, we we live about an hour apart, and I met him. He was actually selling an old Stanwell featherweight, one of the little uh, pickaxe style of Stanwells, mm-hmm. and uh, I was interested. So I went out to his place and bought it, and I uh, got to see his workshop. And you know, I was like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." You know, we talked racing a little bit, and you know, got talked about comparisons of tooling, and you know, and all that. And uh, I ended up uh, going back to a different uh, different pipe shop, tobacco shop, that had a uh, – I ended up working there much later. <laughs> Worked there for about a year and a half. But uh, I ended up going back to that shop, and they had a pre-drilled block 
you know, the, the briar that's got, you know, two holes in it and a stem. Yeah, yeah. And uh, ended up getting that and working with Wayne. He, you know, he said, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll show you how to how to do things and what you want to do. So that's how that all began, too. Very cool. So uh, as you as you started making pipes, besides mm-hmm. Wayne, um, who were some of your other early influences? Oh man, there's uh, it, the pipe community is such a great community. It's it's very uh, everybody in it's very helpful, and uh, so I've had a number of people who've been able to help. Um, obviously, the, my main mentor was Wayne, but I've you know since come to befriend a number of people. Um, I've, I've always, I've always liked the, uh, the Danish influence on pipes, of course, you know, with the, <clears throat> their style of line and just their composition is so nice. Um, it's very, uh, artful. Um, I've, I, you know, there's no, nothing can be said wrong about the traditional, uh, English shapes either. You know, they, they kind of set the standard as far as what shapes are, but uh, I'd say you know English and and Danish are my main influences. Um, as far as other makers, um, of course, you know the the Bonord and many of the Danes, Iverson and all all the Iversons, <laughs> and uh, uh, my goodness, there's so many good makers out there, but. Uh, you know they're they're obviously they broke ground as far as the what can be done with the pipe, um, and even before then, there GBD there was a maker for GBD that his name <laughs> I can't think of his name right now, but uh, um, had done some pretty crazy things that were similar to what the Danes had done, but uh, often gets forgotten. Um, GBD was a, a pretty influential pipe company. Um, and I like a lot of their traditional shapes too. Um, them, them and Dunhill make, <laughs> make some pretty neat traditional shapes. Yeah. It's, it is really interesting to think about how, um, companies even besides makers have, have right. changed the way, um, pipes were made or, or viewed or, or, um, even put together and, and, and even, you know, what kinds of, um, materials we gravitate to um how would Absolutely. you how would you say your style has changed since you began well for uh the first pipe i made is hidden away and uh <laughs> we'll never see the light of day again <laughs> um i'll I have the feeling about that same feeling about many of my early pipes uh unfortunately i started selling my pipes right after the first one just because i'm you know i I still had a job at the time, but was, you know, wanting to get my name out there and, and, uh, get feedback and things like that. So I, I sold, you know, now I sold them extremely cheaply at the time, but, um, still got some uh, early pipes out there. Um, but I, I've always been told that. And the thing is, I can't see it myself because, again, I was still just learning. But I've always been told that even on my early work that they can tell it's a Nate King pipe just by, you know, lines, et cetera, just how it's built. I guess I've always had an imprint on on the pipes. Do you you feel like you gravitated – uh, away from a certain genre at any at any point, or or 
you know, found that you enjoyed working in a different way at some point that that's something different from how you started? Um, I would say as far as design style or aesthetic or, or anything like that, probably not because I never had, um, I'm pretty inclusive in, in all of my, my pipe making of a lot of influences. I, I like a lot of times I will (laughs) see something an artist does and incorporate, you know, it's like, Oh, I like the way this guy did this. And I like the way this pipe maker did this. And Oh, I like this style, uh, from this factory. You know, there's, there's a lot of influences in each of my pipes. Um, I can't just say that, you know, I've, I modeled this pipe after this one. It's like that. No, most of my work has a number of influences, whether it be a, just a number number of artists and makers, or um, or a couple different factories. Um, so that I've been fairly inclusive in my work and my my aesthetic, but uh, as far as my technical uh, ability, that's improved greatly. Um, from when I first started, you know, using a drill press and, and, uh, sanding disc and all that. Um, I've, you know, since upgraded my equipment and, uh, and also my knowledge, my technical knowledge in pipes, you know, it's one, one nice transition from racing, uh, you know, high tech racing and little less tech planes, but, you know, still pretty high tech, um, to pipes is, it's all in the details. Um, every every little thing is very crucial, um, and then, like I said, that's very true of pipes as well, um, especially of the uh, the drilling and the airway and and other uh, little uh, little factors involved. Um, so it was neat to to be able to pull from my previous careers and use that use that. Uh, technique and that drive to uh to build pipes yeah absolutely so it it sounds like as far as your your uh creativity goes and and making pipes from the beginning you've always been very eclectic and that hasn't really changed at least that's that's what i'm hearing does that sound about right yeah 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 that's yeah i've uh, i'm i'm a person that i don't have a whole lot of favorites or I don't have like a favorite, I don't have a favorite song. I don't have a favorite, whatever, you know, or favorite food or anything like that. I have a few that I gravitate towards, but I, I'm more of a, I like most things, especially if they're well done. Um, that's why I like a lot of the early English pipes and, and, uh, of course, number of artisan, uh, artisan pipes, um, because they're just, you know, the guys, even if, even if I don't, and this can be said of mine as well with the, with my steampunk and gear punk and some of the more elaborate or exotic pipes I build, um, even if my design aesthetic doesn't, or just my taste doesn't match what they've made, I can appreciate the skill involved in making a top notch pipe. Right, right. So, um, it's it, amen to that. I mean, gosh, there's <laughs> just, there's just so much good, wonderful stuff out there. You know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of billiards and, and, um, 
even if you just looked at billiards, there's just so much variation from maker to maker to from and, company and, to company, and from factory to factory. Yeah, yeah. There's and and there's a lot to love, you know. Yeah, that's true. So, that's you're gonna you're gonna love the uh, Kansas City contest this year, then. Oh, absolutely! I'm excited yeah, about it. All straight billiards. Yep. Can't wait to start carving for that. Yeah. What is the most enjoyable part of pipe making to you? Oh, there again, there are a number of enjoyable parts. Uh, I'd say the the biggest part that was was kind of kind of a shock. I, I don't know, maybe that's not the right word, but just surprising uh, is that uh, there's it's just a really good community. Um, I've I have a number of my best friends are pipe people I've met on forums, met at the show. Uh, at the Chicago show or, or a number of other shows across the U.S., um, just how how friendly and helpful the pipe community is. Um, it's 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 really neat <laughs> in a in a world of advancing technologies and less time for anything else. Yeah, and, yeah, and you know. not not only that, <laughs> there's just a there is a slew of cynicism and and cynical people out there. And so True. it's it's very refreshing to actually hang out with nice people, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, that's what it, those those do slip through in, in the pipe world as well. But it's not nearly as prominent as as uh, as one would think. Yeah, so thank, thank goodness. Yeah, no kidding. No um, kidding. How do you start your pipe making process? Do you start on paper, on block, or something else? Um, it, it often depends. Uh, I kind of change it up. You know, I I, I like to. Part of my my pipe making process is is I always want to be challenged and I want to be creative and you know so I try not to ever get in the in this in a set routine of uh, of shaping or any you know there's there's certain things you have to do just you know like you have to drill the same holes because that's how pipes are but as far as design it depends on you know I don't approach more to the same, you know, bog oak as I do uh, briar or even olive wood as I do either of the other two could because they're a totally different material. Um, I can like Morta, it's because it's so straight grained, you can pretty well um, chuck that one up in your, in your uh, briar chuck and drill it. And you're, you know, it's going to be right where it needs to be. Whereas some briar, um, not so not so prevalent anymore because the briar cutters have have gotten a lot better and I use uh Mimos uh briar from Italy um and he, as you know he's a top notch cutter yeah it's great um, stuff isn't usually, it? yeah it's fabulous um love it um it's and it's the thing is is he's such a good cutter that often you can the block is completely squared up so you 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 have your straight lines where you need them yep yeah. um yeah. But you know that's not you know he he often cuts because he he gets a lot more out of the briar burl than a lot of cutters because he'll cut some really odd shapes blocks <laughs> to uh, give guys some variation mm-hmm. and that's really nice too but that's not exactly one you can chuck in your in your lathe and and drill and all that so I often uh, actually a lot more often now. Uh, will uh, will shape bef- before I drill. So I'll a lot of times I will either just take a block to the uh, thirty six 
grit sanding wheel or I'll draw, you know, I'll kind of get rough out of shape and, and start there. But often I'll just go straight to the 36 grit and uh, see what the briar, see the figure of the grain and, and, you know, go from there and see what it's telling me. Right. Do you do commissions? Yeah. Yeah, I do. At this point I do. Um, pretty, uh, I'm pretty full at the moment, but, uh, always looking to add more, you know, that's as a, you, you know, you know, as a pipe maker, <laughs> yeah, commissions are, are very important have you uh, ever, to, the, to the business. Yeah, for sure. Um, have you ever made a pipe that was really hard to let go? Um, it, that's another one that's, that's, <laughs> it's kind of, uh, catch 22s. It's like, yes, most of them actually almost all that I've made, I'm like, Oh man, I want to keep this one. <laughs> but being it, being it's my business, you know, I have other, I have bills to pay and things like that. So uh, it's pretty easy to let them go at that point. <laughs> right. Right. But it's, it's nice that a lot of them, I have good, good relationships with guys that, that do commissions that, you know, that, that commission me to do work for them or, a lot of times I, I will know, meet either either know my customer or meet them and, and begin a dialogue and a, and a good relationship with them. So a lot of the pipes that I've sold, I actually know where they are and know who has them. They're not just, you know, it's not just going to some buyer somewhere. Yeah, that's a good feeling, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What particular shape of pipe do you like to smoke and do you find yourself making more of that shape? I don't have a, I would say the the pipe I like to smoke best is uh pipes I've traded with other artisans. Um as as most artisans will tell you they can't afford their own pipes because you know it's just you you can make your own so why would you ever want to buy one but yeah you don't you don't end up paying the the kind of money you do for uh for another guy's pipe is uh, often we'll just trade uh we'll have some that um, the most of the ones that I've done have been pipes that are mechanically good, technically good, but will have some sort of aesthetic thing where it's like, oh, I just, I just cannot, in good conscience, sell this pipe, right? Um, or, or you know, there's maybe some like technical issue that's not an actual issue, but you just, you just can't sell that pipe. It's like ah, I can't do that. It's you know my. Um, as, as many guys, you know, as you found with many artisan guys is we, we have a pretty high quality standard. Mm -hmm. And so we don't, you know, it's our, it's our name on the line. Right. So we don't want to, we don't want to sell something that's, that's subpar. So, well, you know, what I've been doing is, is, uh, the guys that want to trade is, you know, we just kind of go along until we have something that's like, well, it's a nice pipe and I would have no problem smoking it. I know other pipe makers wouldn't cause they know there's not anything wrong with it, but yeah, we just can't, can't sell those. So we, we end up trading pipes and things like that. And those, those are the pipes that mean a lot to me. And often, you know, that as many times as I've traded for, uh, uh, traded for, you know, what would be shop pipes. Um, I've gotten nice pipes as well, you know, top, top quality pipes. So, so there's not there's not a particular shape you, you gravitate I, I to though. I can't say that I have a shape. No, I mean, I, like I said earlier, it's by, about favorites. Um, there's too many good ones, right? 
There's, there's, a, yeah. I mean, like, I, I love a good English billiard. Um, you know, and it, there's even, even between companies, there's variations in shape. Um, but there's definitely a, you know, there's say there are certain qualities that could be said about English billiards versus Danish or Italian or or what have you or French. Um, so I I love a good just straight billiard just because you know they they got it right the first time and it's a good looking shape. Yeah. But yeah. then also I will gravitate towards you know the discus or the uh, Iverson style blowfish. You know any any of the any of the pipe genre the pipe uh, I guess yeah genre that would be uh, called blowfish. You know I up to that or some of the more exotic shapes you know i think some of them might be a little hard to smoke mm-hmm. just because they're so exotic but uh um but they're still you know like i said it's i still enjoy just all all the different styles and shapes yeah there's just a lot to love yeah what are some of your favorite tobaccos oh man um I tend to go towards uh, good Englishes and quality Virginias, things like that. Um, uh, one of my top now this is this is one area where I do have some some definite favorites. And again, it's I can't narrow it down to one, but uh, one of my one of the best blends I've had, and it's fantastic, is uh, Exotique by uh, Smokers Haven. It's good, isn't a it? Lot like the, that, yeah. A lot of the smoker, yeah, a lot of the smoker saving blends are really top notch. But that's one I, I really love. Of course, their their best blend and and a bunch of others are are excellent as well, cognac and all that. But uh, I also like Balkan uh, by Brebbia and a few others. But uh, um, I like most pipe smokers. Once you have smoked for a little while and and developed your your palate. You tend to, you know, I think everybody starts out on aromatics, but as you get into it, you find that a lot of those, especially the generic stuff, is very one-dimensional. Yeah. You know, it's not very complex at all. So there are a few aromatics I do enjoy, um, but primarily I'm into, you know, like a English uh, Orientals and Virginia's. Uh, of course, you know, add a little preak to any of those, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is coming up in your workshop that you're very excited about? Um, there's a number of things uh, going on. Um, I've, I'm getting ready for Chicago, so I've already begun uh, making pipes for then. Uh, I've got one, I'm I'm starting a new line uh, along the lines of my gear punk and steampunk work. I'm starting a streamlined design that's that's based on a lot of the things, um, you know, the streamline era back from, man, it started, what, in the 20s through the, you know, ended up carrying on through, I think, through about the 50s, really. Um, but uh, starting pipes based on that idea, principle of everything is meant to meant to go fast, you know, meant to be very uh, aerodynamic and whatnot. Interesting. So, yeah, that'll, yeah be, that'll be fun to see. Yeah, I've got a pipe in the works right now that's based on an old uh uh sure mic from the from the 40s. Oh, cool. A, a microphone, you know, cuz you know, that's one of the, <laughs> weirdly enough that's one of the shapes that's 
one of the coolest of the streamlined design is all the all the different microphones and things they used to have. They were all, uh, as I would call it, swoopy. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Can't wait to see those. Yeah. When you're not working on making pipes, what do you like to do? Um, <laughs> more and more, that's <laughs> becoming less of of free time. Uh, there's a lot of pipe making going on. Um, I I. I love hanging out with my friends when I have the chance uh, and we'll watch movies and cook and, and hang out. But, uh, if I'm like, I'm working around my house or something like that, I've, I'm, I'm big into, uh, vinyl, uh, records. Really? So, yeah. Tell yeah. me, tell so me about that's your... another one that <laughs> might be surprising for people to learn about me. <laughs> tell me about your vinyl collection. Um, well, I've actually got probably, uh, of of vinyl records and some of those are the audiophile, the really nice, high quality, very heavy uh, vinyl. Um, I've probably got just about a thousand uh, albums from classic rock like Zeppelin or Pink Floyd to some of the new stuff and, and odd band odd odd bands like uh, Sigur Rós from Iceland. Um, and I've got. Uh, of the thousand, probably about three hundred of those are jazz. I'm big. I love jazz, um, and I've got old seventy eights, the old shellac records. Yeah, those um, are great. Yes, yeah, uh, I got probably about three hundred of those. So yeah, I've got quite a quite a collection <laughs> going. When you say jazz, um, are you referring to like old jazz? Uh, any anything from early uh, swing big band to you know, in the seventies or even, even now, um, like, you know, some of the later miles and, and, uh, Coltrane where it's a little more angular, a little, little more, uh, freestyle than anything. Yeah. So I, I enjoy, I enjoy all of it. I would say that my favorite jazz album probably of all time is, is, uh, kind of blue. I mean, this, you can't get much better than that. Very cool. Where can we purchase your pipes? Uh, I have a number of retailers. Um, you can find my work at smokingpipes.com, smokershaven.com, and uh, d- don't have any up right now, but soon we'll have some at uh, tobaccopipecollectors.com, um, as well as my own website, natekingpipes.com. Excellent. Well, Nate, thank you very much for... Uh taking time out of your busy schedule to chat with me today. I really appreciate it, buddy. Oh, absolutely, Ollie. I, I always enjoy uh, hanging out with you and talking to you, so love to do it on, on the radio program. Excellent. Thanks so much, and we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Ollie. And that was my chat with Nate King. Now there is a nice guy with a lot of talent and creativity. I remember at last year's Las Vegas show, someone purchasing a monstrosity from me and saying, I like to support the arts. What a wonderful thing to say. And that's exactly how I feel about Nate's work. If you don't own his work yet, here I am telling you to do just that. Support the arts. Don't forget this podcast was made possible by Pipes and Tobacco's Magazine. I have gained so much by being a loyal P&T subscriber, and so will you. This is Oli for Oompal.com wishing you very good luck deciding which incredibly unique Nate King pipe will be next in your collection.